welcome to the MAD Podcast. This is the place where successful business investors and entrepreneurs share their case studies of mergers, acquisitions, and deals. Please welcome your host, business investor, Sean Toole. Hello, and welcome to the MAD Podcast. And my guest today is Jonathan Jay. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Sean. I hope you're well. Yes, I am. Thank you. And uh, I'm excited that you're on here today. And perhaps we can start. Would you be kind enough to introduce yourself and just give us a little bit of uh, background, if you would, um, just so that uh, our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Thank you. Yeah, sure. So, so my background in the context of what we're talking about today, mergers and acquisitions, uh, I first sold a business. It was a business that I'd started myself um, in 1999. So what's that? That's 22, is that 22 years ago? And I learned a lot uh, about buying businesses from the interaction with the people who bought mine. And I made more money that day when I sold that publishing company than I'd ever made in the previous two and a half years of owning and running that publishing company. So my eyes were opened to a, a different and a better way, perhaps, of being in business. Um, and I'm not a great people manager. I don't really enjoy being in an office environment. Uh, so what I do with letting other people run the businesses that I buy suits me personally. Uh, I then built a group in the adult education, accredited adult education sector, uh, which I sold to a private, a London-based private equity firm in November 2007. Uh, and not many people realized that, because I didn't really make a big fuss of it at the time, was that the success of that sale was because of the preceding acquisitions that made the business bigger, eliminated our competitors, uh, and allowed me to, to exit 100% uh, of the business to, in, in a cash deal to these uh, private equity guys. Uh, and then over the years, I've done that in different fields, uh, including uh, online marketing, so uh, digital marketing, very, very different to the, to the previous businesses. Uh, and I'm currently do it, doing it in the early years sector, which is the children's nursery schools. So I've done 20, at the time of recording, I've done 26 deals in 18 months. So I own 26 large children's nursery schools. And I say large because there are lots of, they come in different shapes and sizes, and there are some for like six children in ground floor of someone's house. I'm talking about large buildings between 100 and 200 children uh, in, in most cases. Um, we're going to do 50 more acquisitions across the course of 2021, which will make us the third largest group in the UK by the end of the year. So uh, I'm very, very active in this space. I spend a few hours each week doing some online training and some one-to-one some -one stuff with people who want to do the same. Uh, but the majority of my time, in fact, an increasing amount of my time is, um, is, is on my own, my own projects. Yeah, okay, it sounds uh, incredible. Um, so um, we're gonna talk about a couple of uh, one or two case studies uh, and um, perhaps you could share the first one with us. Uh, how, is, would this be your first one or is it, is it one later on down the road that you thought would be worth sharing with us? 
Uh, well, I, I mean, I, I can talk about anything you want. I mean, for, for the for the for the point of view of this podcast, I think that um, uh, talking about you know, what can happen when you merge and when you buy and when you sell would be would be really relevant. Um, I mean, I, I nearly tripled the size of of one sale through some strategic acquisitions, and they were actually uh, bust competitors. Uh, so I I did. Um, what we'd now describe, I don't think they were called pre-pack admins back then, but what you'd now call a pre-pack administration in order to buy the assets of, of, of this bust competitor. Uh, and as a result, it really took the brakes off because no longer were we competing um, for the same customers. Uh, the customers would, would naturally gravitate towards us. Uh, and that made it very attractive uh, from a private equity perspective. I still do some of those actually, where I, I, I buy businesses that are effectively um, on the way down. Uh, I, I prefer businesses that are profitable and stable because they are um, uh, just a lot less work, to, to be honest, than the businesses that, that you've got to recover in some way. Um, and out of the 26 nursery schools that I've bought recently, um, a, a couple of them, maybe three of them, were distressed turnarounds and the rest were making a profit, sometimes a modest profit, but a profit that you can, you can build on. And then going back a few years, uh, and I think maybe it's the one that you're, you're referring to, I, I, I bought a, um, seven or eight companies from a, a private equity fund. The, the, the fund was closing and they had this investment in digital marketing they just wanted to, to get uh, rid of. Uh, despite that, it still took me 12 weeks to do the deal. And I bought this, uh, this group that was doing about 5 million in annual revenue. It slipped from previous years. It was doing eight or nine before um, for a pound. Now, as it happens, the, um, the uh, private equity guys had paid 15 million pounds for that five years earlier. So their 15 million pound investment was just written off and I, I, I bought it for a pound. Now, it required a bit of work. It took six months to restructure it. We had to close down the old companies um, and, uh, and, and do stuff that most business owners from the outside wouldn't really um, uh, sort of have seen in their day-to-day -day business life. But we restructured the group, ended up with a, um, it all in a company called the Marketing Guild, which was another business that I bought a few years earlier, a very old, 30-year-old um, uh, business and then I sold that to uh, ad media group up in the Northwest so uh, so yeah I mean it's, it's fun and, uh, and hopefully that comes across in my voice it's, it's an awful lot of fun doing this I could never sit behind a desk again um, each of my businesses runs itself it's got its own uh, managers and deputy managers uh, I've been abroad for the last six weeks uh, and I've done six acquisitions while I've been away so yeah, it, it's um, it's something you can do from anywhere. You don't have to be in the office every day. And I think that's part of what I love about it. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting what you're saying about having fun. I, I mean, I've been in, uh, where are we now? We're, we're February 2021 as we record this. And I've been in this space for 12 months now. And I agree with you. It's a, it's a lot more fun than, than running a business. Um, so uh, I, I don't think you realize that until, until you're actually doing it. Um, it's really exciting. 
uh, I, I'm running on adrenaline a lot of the time uh, as I'm uh, sourcing, structuring, and, and closing these deals. So, um, so what what would you say your uh, sharing information to other investors what, what would you say will be an ideal strategy for them starting out for them starting out um well you've got to know what you're doing this is the thing because it it, it can bite you if you don't know what you're doing and you can make some very silly mistakes i i interviewed someone actually for my podcast um uh yesterday or uh, was it yesterday yeah yesterday uh, uh um, Nigel and he was saying how one thing that he picked up he said it was one sentence he couldn't actually remember what the sentence was if it happens which was a bit unfortunate but but there was one sentence that he said that saved him three hundred and fifty thousand pounds and if he hadn't heard me say that one sentence and hadn't acted on it then it would have cost him an awful lot of money so you know it, it's it's not as easy as it looks there's a lot goes on behind the scenes and uh, yeah, I, I probably yeah. When I say I've, I've, I've just done six deals this this uh, this year and that sort of thing, I mean it, it it makes it sound so incredibly easy, but there's a lot of hard work that I just take for granted. I've got a great team around me. Um, you know, in, in some cases, my uh, my involvement is simply just signing everything at the end. Uh, and actually, sometimes, sometimes I don't even sign it. I get a get a colleague to, to to sign it if I can't get to a printer and a scanner in time. So yeah, you know, right. My big tip would be to understand what you're doing, um, and 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 learn and and get the knowledge and get the information, um, and then of course implement it because it's all very well knowing stuff unless you're actually doing it. And and the learning curve when you do something is so much more rapid than, than when you're just learning it in, in isolation, in theory. Um, so I always say to people, let's buy your, your first business as quickly as possible. Let's get that, let's get that business uh, under your belt, that first deal, that first acquisition. And then your next one become better as a result of the first. And then your third will become better as a result of the second. So the faster you do the first, the better, which is why I think it's absolutely crazy when I hear people say, um, you know, go, go and buy a, a 100 million pound a year business as your first deal. I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's be realistic here. Yeah, you know, buy a business that does a few hundred thousand or you know, in, the, in the very low million, something that you can get your head around. I mean, if, if someone's run a business for years doing 300 or 500,000 a year, it is a massive out of the comfort zone stretch to go from I've done 500,000 a year for 10 years, I'm now gonna go and buy a 50 million pound a year. And I think that sort of selling the dream is just a little bit silly. What I always say is let's get a sensible business done as your first acquisition for the experience. Yeah, that sounds like really sensible advice. And in a niche that you're, or, or have experience of, is that something yeah, you have knowledge of? I mean, yeah, there's, why not start with something that you already know? Why go and try and learn about um, an engineering business if you're just not very good with things like that? Yeah, why would you do that? Um, and if yeah, occasionally someone says, but Jonathan, I don't know anything about anything. And I don't believe that. 
But, you know, we've all sat in a coffee shop and we thought, you know, the service was a bit slow and the food was a little bit cold. Um, you know, you're experiencing that business as a customer. Maybe a, a business that you experience as a customer a lot would be a good business to buy. But start with something that you know. Don't go crazy and buy uh, something that you just can't get your head around. Yeah, sure. Uh, you mentioned earlier about having a team around you. Now, I've seen business investors looking for partners. Uh, you're talking about having a team. Uh, is it a personal choice? Is it a professional choice? How do you structure all of that? Okay, well, first of all, I've, I would advise against partners. Um, I think everyone feels they need a partner because it's kind of someone to talk to. Um, I, I think that's probably not the wisest business decision. I get it from a personal point of view, but, but you know, do it yourself. Own 100% of the business and buy in the skills and talent that you need and pay for them when they do something for you. So everyone that I use on a professional basis, so due diligence, accountancy, legal, human resources, I just pay them for the job that they do. And if they don't do, do a job on that particular deal, they don't get paid on that, obviously. And I pay them after the deal closes, so I pay them out of the company that I'm buying. Um, and you know, I, I, I think you should hold on to equity. Uh, I, I see, again, some lousy, lousy advice around you know, putting together a board of directors, and it's like, oh, come on. You know, uh, uh, you know, let's get your first deal under your belt yourself before you start sort of thinking like you're a, uh, the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and all you're doing is buying a 750 grand a year commercial cleaning business. So we need to, need to be realistic about this. Yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, is there another case study that you'd like to share with us? Um, um, uh, I'm just trying to think of something that is reasonably different. Okay, well, let me give you a couple of acquisitions that I did, uh, I've done the last couple of months to show you how you can do this in such a way that doesn't require any of your own cash. In fact, one of them, I'll give you a couple of examples. So, so one of them that, uh, and I, I, I know that I always sound a little hazy when I say, was it three weeks ago or four weeks ago? It's just that when you've got so much happening, you kind of lose track of which, one, which one's which. But, but let's say a, a few weeks ago, um, we bought a, a large nursery school. Um, it would be in the greater Manchester area. Uh, and I say that because the majority of us are in the greater Manchester and the northern, the northern strip, um, where, we bought it and the seller paid us on completion. So let me just say that again in a slightly different way, because I, I know that when people hear these things for the first time, it takes a while for them to get their head around this. So we bought it. So we legally owned the business um, and the seller exits. But the transfer of money at that point of completion was not us giving them money. It was them giving us money and it was a perfectly good business a profitable business um, but we got paid now that's how you if you understand how to use the cash in the business to fund the acquisition sometimes the cash cash in the business is more than what you pay for the business hence there is a there there is a an, an overhang of cash that's due to you another one that we did this was actually uh, the week before christmas we did one completion on the thursday and one completion on the Friday. And on the Thursday, we bought the shares. So we bought the company. I usually buy the assets rather than the shares uh, because it, it's just faster and cheaper and, and, and easier. But 
buying the shares in the business for this particular one because they had an unused bounce back loan as, as a Siebel's loan yes. in the and the initial consideration for the purchase came out of that Siebel's loan for the, that government Siebel's loan so we effectively gave them the money that they had borrowed from the government to them and then the deal on the friday which was an asset purchased we use another lump of the money in the thursday acquisition bank account to buy the one on the friday so those two thursday and friday we funded completely from the acquisition uh, of, of the first one and I, I i prefer to do as many deals like this as possible because why would you dip into your own resources when you can use different resources. Now, I hasten to add, this doesn't mean that I don't have any money and I'm forced to go down this route, but I just choose not to spend my own capital because if you don't have to, why would you? I mean, it's just madness to, to go around spending your own money and writing checks when you don't need to do it. But this is a, a way really of opening up the world of business buying to anyone because anyone can do this regardless of how much money you've got in the bank. You don't need money in the bank to do this. All you need is the knowledge, the confidence, the deal team, and the deal flow. You need lots and lots of deals to look at, because it's not gonna, you're not necessarily gonna buy the first one that you find. Yeah, sure. And uh, yeah, I love the fact that uh, you're using the funds from each deal. It's like, a, it creates its own momentum, doesn't it? It builds right. Like a pot of uh, cash that you have that, that's fantastic so uh, is there anything that you'd looking back at your m a experience is there anything you do differently is there something that you would have done sooner rather than later is there um, any bits of wisdom that you could think would help from your mistakes or errors yeah sure um uh, lots of them <laughs> lots, lots lots of mistakes and this is why people pay me for the training because it, they can avoid the mistakes that that i've made um i i've been fortunate not to have ever made a mistake that's been a, a killer you know i've never made anything that i've kind of like um, really um uh hurt from but what i would say is if you if you own a business right now the tendency of the entrepreneurial business owner is to think that next year will be better, and then the year after that will be better and there's, there's this like hanging on for this amazing year and that's the year that you sell and i think that's a terrible mistake and it's actually to be fair a mistake that i've made myself where you feel next year's going to be better and they say now is not the right time to sell what i would say is if you've got a business right now do a couple of acquisitions to make your existing business bigger and to prove that acquisitions, and this is the important part, to prove that acquisitions grow your company and then sell it. And then think of your life, your business life, in 36-month cycles. So you start a 36-month cycle when you make your first acquisition in a new sector, and then you acquire for 36 months but about eight months before the end of the 36, you start a sales process. So you can exit round about month 36, give, you know, give or take obviously, but round a month 36. And that is your three year cycle. And you can do more in that 36 months than most people do in a lifetime of being in business. And then you take a break, you spend some time with your family, 
and you come back and do it again doing something else. So I'm currently with this current cycle, I am 18 months. I'm halfway through that 36 month cycle. And I've actually started talking to buyers already. But when we've got an incredible growth curve, I mean, we, 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 we'll be at uh, 75 locations around the UK by the end of the year. Um, so that's again, will be, that will be uh, two and a half years into the, uh, if I got that right? Yeah, two and a half years into the, into the 36 months. And then we've got that six months to exit. So that's the that's plan. Yeah, yeah. And it is so uh, black and white. When you think about the traditional business buyer who has one capital event at the end of their life. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. And then, you know, then they have business investors that have in multiple capital events over a, a period, as you described, three years, which is, uh, which is amazing. So it really is a uh, light and day, isn't it? Well, yes, it is. But you see, you know, if, if you look at the bookshelves in a Waterstones and see the business books, they're all about starting a business. You know, there's interviews with people who started businesses. There are books on how to start a business. Um, the, the culture in the UK, at least, is, is all about um, being a, the startup guy. You watch Dragon's Den. It's all about starting something from scratch, which is, you know, I've done it and I've been fairly successful at it. But would I recommend it? No, I wouldn't. Why would you go through that heartache um, if in the same period of time that you're kind of sorting out the website and, and um, figuring out what the logo looks like, you could go and buy a couple of businesses uh, and then put your own stamp on them later? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're coming to the end of, uh, of the podcast, Jonathan. I kind of wondered, is there any uh, words of wisdom you'd share with budding investors, uh, business investors and deal makers? Uh, yeah, sure. So I, I think it's definitely um, make sure you know what you're doing. Otherwise, you can get your fingers burnt uh, and not just build your knowledge, but build your confidence as well and get really good at developing deal flow. So deal flow is the number of people who are contacting you, telling you that they would like to sell you their business. So the better your deal flow, the better deals you will find in that deal flow. So the very best advice is get the knowledge, build your confidence, build your deal flow, and at the same time, start looking to build your deal team. So the right lawyer, the right accountant. And then um, as you're doing all that, you'll find that everything starts to fall into place. Um, I, I think that sometimes people start with just one element of that. You've got to do all four at the same time. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Well, it's been, uh, it's been great having you on the show. I really appreciate your time. I know you're on, uh, you're on holiday in Dubai at the moment. Is that where you're on holiday? Uh, no, I'm uh, actually uh, launching my nursery uh, school business here. And um, we, uh, there, are, there are thousands in the United Arab Emirates. And I'm just about to do the first acquisition over here. So it's, it'll be an, an international business? Correct. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. It's incredible. Okay. Well, thanks again. And um, so, how can people get hold of you, Jonathan? Well, there's about 250 educational and entertainment videos about buying a business on my YouTube channel, Jonathan J YouTube. Um, there's my business buying strategies podcast. Um, I think we're up to about 130 episodes of that now. 
Uh, and uh, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, Jonathan J on LinkedIn, I'll be happy to accept your connection request. Well, that's fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, thank you for sharing your knowledge, skill and experience today. My pleasure, Sean. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the MAD podcast. Feel free to connect with Sean on LinkedIn or search Sean Tool on YouTube to keep up to date with mergers, acquisitions and deals. We'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.